0: Hello and welcome everyone to the second episode of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I am Jake and I am very excited to be with you today. And here with me, my co host, uh, we have tony and will so welcome in guys this is your first episodes uh so tell us a little bit about yourself how's things going what's new tony we will start with you
1: oh um everything's pretty okay uh you know just trying to get ready for the san diego regionals and yeah that that's all i
0: got okay well hopefully you know Through our discussion, we can help you get to uh, a great spot with your regionals team. And Will, how are you doing? What's going on?
2: I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Everything's going well for me. I finally finished the game like a couple days ago. It was a bit slow going for me and a little painful to watch everyone else kind of rush through to the end. Um, Right now, I'm trying to complete the Pokedex. Kind of have an eye out towards building teams, but I haven't really gotten too much into uh, competitive scene for this series yet. So I'm excited to dive in and hopefully get some ideas about what to build.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I am currently just at the very, very end of the game. I was with you as taking my time going through it. And now that I'm seeing everybody finish the game and move on to team building and shiny hunting and, what's, and whatnot, I want to get involved myself. So let's jump into it. So a brief agenda of the topic for today, we're going to be talking about pairing for series one so first and foremost we got to talk about the rule set specifically what exactly is it what does it mean what are our thoughts on it then from there we're just going to talk about some popular cores that you could either use for team building for yourself or most importantly just to be aware of that is currently on the ladder and out there that you may be facing against and of course at the end Little get-to-know our co-hosts since this is their first time on the show. So let's jump into it. Series 1. First off, the rule set itself. It is the Paldea Regional decks Only. Uh, one of the important notes there is the Charizard Raid, which is currently happening for a few more days. You cannot use the Dragon Terra Charizard just yet. Um, It might be available in later seasons, but for now, it is currently the regional decks only. There are no ancient or future Pokémon allowed, so no Roaring Moon, no Iron Hands, or anything else like that. Uh, No members of the Ruinous Quartet, so that is that group of four Legendaries that are all Dark-type. And last but not least, no Restricted, so no Coriodon or Miraidon to use on your teams. So that is quite the ban list, I I will say. I was a little surprised considering going into it, everyone was battling with those Paradox or Ancient and Future Pokemon. So just right off the bat, um, Will, what are your thoughts on just not allowing Paradox Pokemon
2: in Series 1? I kind of like it. I know a lot of people are thrown off guard. Um, To me, it's cool because I think it'll kind of give us a chance to have a different series as we get through uh, Scarlet and Violet. We'll start with this kind of pared down version, see how the meta develops from there. And hopefully these things slowly get added in the future and we can kind of see how the meta changes. I think it's a cool idea. So you can kind of try different things and it'll hopefully keep the meta from getting too stale. I should also say that, like I said, I just beat the game. So I wasn't really too invested in uh, preparing for any teams while people still thought that all these months would still be in the game. So to me, this was no like time lost. I can definitely see how some people are frustrated that they spent a lot of time preparing for a meta that doesn't yet exist. But to me, this seems good. I'm excited to see how things change over time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, you definitely touched on a couple of things there What I want to dig into a little bit. Um, notably for me is that by not allowing this group, it really sets them up for longevity um, of changing up the rule sets that they were doing in Sword and Shield every few months. So maybe next series we will get ancient and future, or um, maybe next series, we will get the Ruinous Quartet, but not the Paradox Pokemon. So I think they have a lot of ways that they can take it. Um, You also touched on people that were team building ahead of time before we got this rule set change. And Tony, I know you are in that boat. So how are you feeling about doing all that testing and then having to change gears so swiftly?
1: No, uh, it's fine. Like, you know, everyone knew that there was a chance that, that it was you that paradoxes weren't going to be allowed. The ruinous quartet, they probably weren't going to be allowed. It was always a chance. So, pre team building, I mean, jumping the gun, yeah, that's that's on everyone. Uh, I don't feel too bad about it though. Uh, it gives you a little bit of time to just mess around with what could have happened, and then it's like now that it can't, it really changes up the whole meta of everything. Um uh, I do think that it's kind of funner right now because now the idea of oh I could throw in my favorite it's a little bit more realistic than before. Whereas in when the paradoxes were theorized of being in the quartet was theorized being in it was all ChiU Yu and Fluttermane or Dragonite and Qian Pao. Um I definitely like seeing less of them.
0: Yeah, I agree. That is something that Alex was touching on uh, last episode as well, is the idea that since we're not dealing with some of those paradox Pokemon, is that the, there isn't as much of a power creep that we might be experiencing in the future. So thanks to Jurassic you can use a lot of your favorite t- Pokemon. I mean, right now, one of the best Pokemon in the format is a group of mice. And that's just because they are very strong. They're very fast. And they're not having to deal with um, some of these other, you know, ancient and future forms. So to that point, uh, with that team building that you were doing, you know, we didn't get this rule set until only a couple of days ahead of time. Were you surprised that it took so long, or did you think that we were going to get be getting something sooner than that, Tony? What do you think?
1: I think they did it smart because you have two weeks to actually enjoy the game. I actually played the game a lot more. Than I thought I would for the story. I, I thought I was just going to blow through it. And then it's like, all right, let's go to team building or let's, you know, start collecting money or so we could get the vitamins and start the EV training and breeding and, you know, looking for that perfect ditto. Um, I think giving the two weeks for letting everyone explore the ideas of what could have been or what could be, I think it definitely got everyone going. Like, because VGC was like, Series thirteen and twelve were like, oh, they're there, but the I think a lot of the fun and team building is theorizing, and like you know, like you said, the the mice family that you find in the beginning are one of the best ones. That uh, nobody expected that, but it's also fun to play with because they can be offensive, they can be support, they can be defensive. Yeah, so I, I think I think they announced the rules smart.
0: Great, yeah, um, I am uh, sort of looking forward to seeing what, uh, what comes of it. And um, maybe you know this is gonna be something that we're gonna be seeing in the future with them not releasing information about the about the rules um, until only a couple of days ahead of time. Because one of the benefits that it did create is chaos. And if anyone is a Game of Thrones fan, there is a famous quote there, um, chaos is a ladder. And I really think that it does apply when you have a bunch of people scrambling to try and build teams for something that they don't even know what the rule set is going to be. So we only have a couple of days to do it. It throws the entire meta out of whack um, at least for, you know, a week or so. And so that's the most fun for me because you can really experiment and try different stuff. And you're not just getting hit with the same six Pokemon over and over again or the same cores or anything like that. So to that. Let's talk about some of the, the Pokemon that we're expecting to perform well early on. Um, I know that you haven't done too much team building as of now, Will, but um, looking at some of the Pokepastes that have been going around or watching some of the content, if you have been from some of the more popular you know, PokeTubers, you like to put out stuff that talk about fun teams that are currently on the ladder. Are there any Pokemon that you're expecting to really perform well early on in this series?
2: Yeah, despite not actually doing my own building, yet, I've definitely been keeping up with my content creators trying to get a feel for the meta. So far, the early impression seems to be that it's a pretty dragon-heavy meta. I think it's helpful that there aren't a ton of great fairy types in this uh, current generation. I think Sylvanas is probably the biggest one. So the dragons aren't as afraid to come out as they normally are. Terror also helps them. You know, you have a dragon, you tear it into a steel type. That's already two-thirds of your fantasy core right there in one single Pokemon. And it also helps that the next Pokemon that I think will be really popular, Goldango, exists. And that thing can just nuke whatever fairies are coming in that are going to threaten these dragons. So early on, that seems to be like a pretty popular group that I've seen. Um, Some other ones that I kind of expect to be big, and I'm not surprised so far to see that they are, is Arcanine. It always seems to kind of be the king of the regional format. It's just so useful. Intimidate, Snarl, Will O Wisp, Extreme Speed, even with Clear Amulet, that nerfs it a little bit, but you can still only put that on one mon. So it still kind of has a role to play, even if it's not as dominant as maybe it has been in the past. Murkrow, Prankster Tailwind, there's only two priority Tailwinds in the format, and Murkrow can just do so much for you, as I know firsthand because I just used it in Draft League. I'm not surprised to see that thing take off. I think other people are a little caught off guard, but Anyone that uh, played with it in our draft league definitely saw this coming from a mile away.
0: Yeah, I certainly, I certainly agree. One thing that I, that I took note of is, with this new series, as much fun as the new Pokemon are, and they're certainly being featured quite heavily, Peakalytics, the top four Pokemon by usage, all at over 21%. Amoongus, Garchomp, Arcanine, and Grimmsnarl in that order. They just do things so well. I mean, you could even have all four of those on the same team and it could function properly. Where there's an Amoongus, there is a path to victory. I mean, Rage Powder, Spore, Clear Smog is now incredibly important to be able to remove some of those stat boosts that are very prominent in the meta right now, with a lot of setup mons or even Dondozo plus Tatsugiri that just get that plus two Omni boost. They've done extremely well, and I think that when you have those staples from previous generations that people are very used to and they're experienced with, it just becomes the glue for your team, and they're always going to perform well because you know exactly what to expect, and you're familiar with those damage counts already, because you're just sort of swapping in a new 120 special attack or a new, you know, 100 attack that is coming your way. Doesn't matter if it's in a new, you know, new coat of paint. It's still the same flash cannon, or it's the, still the same earthquake, or whatever it is. Tony, what about you? What are what are uh, some early series Pokemon that you're thinking that are going to do well?
1: I would like to note that uh, if you notice, most of this generation, they're like BST is all five hundred and up. So I think that's definitely something to look at. That there's a lot of viable options. Uh, Garganackle, I think. I think I'm saying its name right. Garganacle. I think that one's definitely going to be up there. Salt Cure is just so good. It's like poison that you could switch out to, but also if you're stealing water, it takes a quarter of your health. It's almost like Curse, but no, no backlash. Uh, I definitely think looking at that, Breloom is back in. So a faster spore user is always nice. Toad Scroll. I think Toad Scroll is going to be interesting its ability kind of throws everybody off but i think it just needs a little bit of time and effort and then it might be good it might not though it, it's definitely uh there's a lot up in the air i do think dragapult being one of the fastest is something to look out for too i'm sure everyone knows annihilate annihilate rage fist just hit it once and then it destroys everything and i'd like to see more of uh wide lens or loaded dice mouse hold i'm pretty sure that's going to be tested along with hail teams there's there's just so much i think rain probably got the short end on the stick but i do think every it right now everything is so experimental i i if i had to choose though i'd say garganackle mouse hold and maybe hail might be something to look forward to I like that group.
0: I think that that certainly has a lot of potential for sure. And to touch base on Mousehold real quick, that was one of the, that was the Pokemon that I mentioned earlier. Um, for the listeners out there, it has a signature move called Population Bomb, and its base accuracy is ninety percent, and it has the potential to hit ten times each attack or each hit within that number of 10 has its own accuracy check so what people are doing is they are adding wide lens to it and that gives it a 10% accuracy accuracy increase so that means that each hit has a 99% chance of being successful it's a 20 base power move so the chances of hitting all 10 with that 99% accuracy is actually 90% whereas if you don't have wide lens on it that success rate drops down to 34%. So getting that extra massive boost in accuracy from 34 up to 90% just with the use of an item is wonderful because it
2: becomes a nearly
0: 200 base power attack that you do get stabbed on.
2: Yeah, the other thing actually I came across on Twitter today that I thought was interesting was I saw somebody was running King's Rock on mouse for population bomb. You'd lose that accuracy boost that you were mentioning, and they ran the numbers, and the base power drops from 189 on average with wide lens to 117. But you end up getting a 42% flinch chance, which is also a pretty interesting way to use that move.
1: I've also seen a Terra Steel Annihilate paired with Mousehold, and then they Population Bomb the Annihilate like turn one, and then it just gets a full-powered Rage Fist and just okos everything it touches.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the neat things that I'm seeing with a lot of the the Pokemon of this generation is that they can be very offensive. They can be in great cores or great pairs with each other, or with Mousehold itself. I mean, it also gets follow me and Encore and a bunch of other great support moves. So it can function in a lot of different ways. Which I think brings us to the next segment that I want to talk about. Let's talk about some actual popular cores that we are seeing that are things that you may want to build for yourself, or things that you should be certainly ready for moving forward as you hit that ladder. So the first popular core that I want to talk about is one that is really causing a lot of damage and is causing people to scramble to look up what exactly gets wide guard, and that is Indiv female plus armor rouge. So the idea behind this core is that indy female gets psychic surge as its ability so it sets psychic terrain then armor rouge as we discussed in the first episode is the only pokemon this generation as of now that gets expanding force so with utilizing helping hand indy female or uh follow me Arma Rouge is able to just get that boosted expanding force damage onto both targets it's not necessarily the fastest but when you're having that redirection assistance with entity um, it's able to do a ton of damage and if it's not properly prepared for it can just shred through teams Will, what have you uh what are your thoughts on this have you seen it um, have
2: you do you have any counters for it uh, I have seen it. Actually, the one team that I've tried to build so far was an EDD ar- NDD Armorer's team. Um, I think it's a cool combo. Like you said, the Psychic Terrain Expanding Force is kind of obvious right there. They also have some other nice synergies together. Armorage also gets Trick Room. So you also have Follow Me and Trick Room, which is great. Um, I've seen it. Well, I've tried it, and I've also seen it with Bax Caliber. has the uh, Thermal Engine ability, I believe. And it gets an attack boost when it gets hit with a fire attack. So you can put Rouge next to Baxcalibur and have it Lava Plume because it also gets that move. Um, so you have kind of those two modes that you can use there, which is kind of interesting. You also mentioned everyone's kind of scrambling for a good wide guard user. That's also Rouge. It also gets access to wide guard. A lot of people are running that now, which I've seen. So it's a pretty potent combo. Rouge has two great abilities and Flash Fire. So can work against opposing rouges also. And it also gets weak armor. It could be about pretty bulky, so you could really take advantage of that weak armor and be willing to kind of withstand that first attack, maybe even have weakness policy, get the speed boost, and maybe you're able to kind of sweep from there and not really mind the defense drops. So it's definitely a pretty potent combo, and you need to have an answer for it, because otherwise it really can just run through you. I mean, armor is just hitting you with base 125 special attack, expanding force on psychic terrain, or armor cannon, or heat wave, or lava plume. It's got some pretty... Strong attacks, and you really have to have some sort of an answer to it
0: absolutely. it is uh, it is definitely where a lot of people are starting to either build against or build from um Tony, have you uh, come across this in your testing as well what do you what are you uh, what are you doing to stop it?
1: it? is the bane of my existence first of all? but yeah, no, uh, there's armor Rouge, and and Dede. the synergy is it's, it's so good. It's unbearable when you play against it, but watching it, you can't help but just be like, you know what? That it's solid. It's solid. You have to like give it credit. Uh, not only can you play it as a trick room user. Yeah, uh, I didn't think I'd be seeing weakness policy back, but you could definitely do weak armor with weakness policy. I've seen uh, mouse hold. You know, just you could U turn into the armor rouge, set off the weakness policy. Get the weak armor off, get the double speed boost, then you switch into indeedy setting up the terrain and just expanding force everybody. And it's it's insane. Like once it's set up, it almost feels unstoppable. Um, it's I've only seen it on showdown though, so it is a best, you know, it is best of one format. Uh, I definitely think you you could prep for it more in best of three. So I don't know how well it would do in a like a regionals or uh, tournament format, but I think it is definitely it's it's good either way. You could you could run weak armor, you could run flash fire, you could terra grass. I've seen uh, tear a terra dark just to fight other armor rouge. It's definitely it's it's a real threat, and I think it's one of those where it's like you hate it, but you also got to give it credit for how just how good it is.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that with This generation in particular, this combination is very strong because we've seen psychic spam teams before pairing NDD with Alakazam or Guard of War. But the reason that this is so successful, in my opinion, is that other terrain users or, I guess, ability creators or whatever, there just aren't any. I mean, I guess there's the electric surge from Ken Um, but there's no grass terrain, there's no misty terrain for whatever reason, and so this psychic terrain is able to just stay on the field for a very long time, and able to protect against priority, give that boost of psychic damage, unless of course, I mean, maybe people start running ice spinner to be able to remove that terrain, but um, otherwise it does does pose
2: quite a threat for sure. Tony mentioned that he wasn't sure how well this would do in best of three tournament, which... There's only really been one, so it remains to be seen how well this holds up. But it did place pretty well. Uh, Aaron Trailer's team got second in that tournament with a Armour Rouge Ndidi team. Um, actually, his team did not have Ndidi, just Armour Rouge, which is interesting. So it able to function pretty well on its own. And then Wolfie's team placed 14th with an Ndidi Armour Rouge team. Um, there's another one that I see that placed 21st. So it definitely was able to have some success, but we're only one tournament in. So it remains to be seen if that's really sustainable.
0: Yes, and that's something that I definitely want to get into in future episodes of going through some of these tournament results and finding out what some of the new cores are. Um, and I think that's also where we see the next core on the list was really showcased in some of these top teams through Limitless or through Victory Road um, is the resurgence of Disquake. Now, Disquake is a very old tried and true team for for vgc Um, it's the idea that you have a electric type user using discharge next to a ground type user who is using earthquake and ideally that electric type is floating or a flying type Um, the classic combination was garchomp and zapdos well garchomp is everywhere on teams it doesn't have zapdos but it has some great partners through levitate such as hydragon uh rotom forms rotom wash is extremely popular and also kilowattrol um a new pokemon that is sort of zapdos light as it is electric and flying type but again more spread damage strong strong attacks and special note of garchomp in this instance because it's able to really terra type into ground so it removes that dragon typing and then it's not four times super effective from ice any longer, so it gets bulkier because of it. Um, or you take out, or you take Hydreigon that gets the Levitate, and then it gets the Steel Terra or the Poison Terra, and it's still floating. It's not getting hit by earthquake, and it's now able to deal steel damage. Um, it's been a very popular core as well. Tony, what are your thoughts? Have you been seeing this also?
1: So uh, one of the first teams that I was actually trying was the Disquake. Um, I was really hoping, like, oh, well, Kilowatchel's fast enough, Garchomp hits hard enough. It's definitely something to look out for. Um, I don't know how long it'll last exactly. I think Garchomp would definitely stay up there. Uh, Kilowatchel might be switched with Rotom, since Rotom, Katera, Electric... Uh, it really just depends on the situation. Like uh, with in the top cut, I saw that Gengar made it. So Gengar probably was running Icy Wind. And depending on the uh, setup, I, I could see them switching off between Terra Electric Rotom or Terra Ground Garchomp. Um, I think it's definitely like a good old classic, just like Disquake, Disquake, Disquake. It's like, what do I do? Wide Guard. But I mean, there's there's also very little wide guard users. So it's definitely making the disc quake more potent.
2: Um, yeah, it definitely seems to be a favorable meta for Garchomp. I think another thing that's really helped it out in this format, or I guess in Scarlet Island general, is the introduction of clear amulet. Because now this thing could sit here and boost with sword distance and not be afraid to lose those boosts. It keeps them. And then you just have this thing hitting these, these very powerful base 130 plus two spread damage, earthquakes or rock slides. Um, like you said, a Terra ground, so now it's even a little bit bulkier and you're able to really survive and use those sword Dance boosts a lot better. And then you're doing two times uh, damage with that ground attack because of the terror boost. And like I mentioned before, there's not as many fairies that are threatening it and it tear grounds to lose that dragon typing anyway. So it really seems like a meta that's set up for success with it whether the Disquake stuff will continue or not remains to be seen, but I definitely think Garchomp will have a pretty strong role in this meta moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think Clear Amulet is a great call-out. That's one of the exciting new items that have been introduced in Scarlet and Violet. It completely removes all stat drops from the opposing Pokémon, so it's Clear Body as an item, which is really great for not losing that attacking power. Um, That is, of course, until you find yourself face-to-face with a tiny black crow. Uh, Murkrow and its hyper-offense or just prankster ways is really, really strong in the meta right now. Um, Utilizing Prankster Tailwind, as Will, you had talked about earlier, to facilitate great damage output from Golden Go, Hydregun, and then Haze to remove that Swords Dance plus two, or the Omnibus from Dondozo, um, or to even remove the special attack drop that Golden Go gets from utilizing Make It Rain. Um, Murkrow is a very interesting and fun new Pokémon that has benefited greatly because of the dynamic speed change that we now see that was introduced in Generation 8 um, when Murkrow was unavailable. So I think that the Murkrow hyper offense is definitely going to be around for a while because especially in a best of one format, it can snowball quickly and you can find yourself in and not able to do anything against it.
2: Yeah. Mercro just does so well. It has so many tools that can help right now. Prankster Tailwind's obviously the most obvious one. It also gets prankster quash. So you could run this thing on a trick room team and also have it help out there. Prankster weather setting is really useful. We mentioned it's that uh, set up heavy meta and, Haze is great for that, especially when you go into Donzo, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then it also can kind of hit pretty hard. I mean, it gets foul play, which great. great. You're boosting your attack stats with Swords Dance, and then all of a sudden you get a foul play. That's probably not what you're looking for. Um, it could also sit there and snarl. That's one of the ways that I found firsthand you can easily counter that in DDF armor-roost combo. Neither of them really likes to take a snarl um, and take that special attack drop, and it's super effective into them also. And it also has Brave Bird. It hits surprisingly hard with that too. And then you slap an light on this thing and it has more bulk than you'd expect. It's not like our favorite prankster tailwind from last gen Whimsicott where you felt like it really needed to have that focus stash. Murkrow can survive a couple of attacks with an light attached to it. And also it's dark itself. So it's not even going to be prankstered by opposing mons. So something like Brimstone can't even touch it. So it really has uh, quite a few tools in its tool belt right here.
1: Not to mention or not to forget to mention. Uh, Murkrow with Haze also works really well with uh any like of the heavy attacks that do stat drops, like Draco Meteor, for example. We could do make it rain, close combat, headlong rushes back is in this game. So that's another one too. All of those moves that also drop your own stats. Murkrow's just right there. It's just like, oh hey, I got you. I got you. Don't worry and then it just hits you with a haze, and then it just starts over. Uh, I definitely have experienced, on Showdown at least, foul play from Murkrow, and Dragapult does not like that, unless you have a focus sash, it's going down. Uh, Gyarados doesn't like that, and Gyarados is also pretty popular right now, maybe because it's one of the bulkier Intimidate users that isn't Arcanine. I think that's a
0: a great call out for sure, because when you do have something that is able to set Tailwind for you, but then also stay on the field and continue to support the team um, or even do damage itself. I mean, I know that we've seen Foul Play and Snarl, as you both mentioned, but some more popular teams as well are even running Brave Bird, which is great because that's just going to completely nuke a Breloom or do considerable damage to popular Pokemon-like. Annihilate that are out there that do have that fighting type um, along with Ghost. So you also mentioned, Will, Frankster Weather. So let's talk about some weather teams. We do see quite a few. Uh, Torquil, of course, being the dominant weather setter currently with its partner in Lilligant, but also new to this generation is Snow, which maybe was foretold a little bit, considering that Obama Snow, as the snow setter, its ability was snow warning and was never hail warning, but who knows? Um, and then also an honorable mention for Pelif- Pelipper and Palafin. So let's talk about first uh, Lily coal or the Torkoal and Lilian combination. It can be run with Trick Room, it can be run with After You or Sleep Powder. Um, Lilligant, of course, with the chlorophyll user is able to be the fastest Pokemon on the field in most situations, and is able to either say, Torkoal, you know what? No, you go first, you use eruption without taking any damage, or maybe Torkoal goes for protect and Lilligan just puts something to sleep. They have a lot of tricks that they're able to utilize and shut a team down as well. And then of course, if Lilligant doesn't work out then Torkoal in Trick Room is very strong as well. One of the Pokemon that we're seeing that is going to Jorastalize into its existing type to then get that adaptability boost on Eruption or Heat Wave. It is just doing insane amounts of damage. Tony, how are you trying to combat Lilicul?
1: I think right now, just everyone is really into the... The, you know the new stuff. Everyone wants to see the new toys. Uh, Lily Cole is definitely like your childhood friend. Is just it's always there. It'll always be there. Um, if you need if you need a team, you can always lean on it. I uh, definitely I've seen it. Still, it's not as popular as you would assume. I think everyone kind of got you know turned down by it when they announced that paradoxes weren't in. I definitely see I, I see it coming back later. I, I could see it doing strong now. Uh it would definitely help against like Goldango. Uh Murkrow might like kind of stop it, but not as much unless someone really wants to dedicate into rain. Uh I I think Lilical, it's that reliable, friend. You could always lean on it.
2: Yeah, I think it's just I mean, it plays so simple and it's just so difficult to stop. It's really difficult to cover all your bases of what if they go torque and Trick Room or what if they go super fast Torquoil and what if the Lilligan is doing after you or what if it's hitting you with Sleep Powder? And it's tough to find that lead that really covers for all of that. I think it also got a little bit of a buff this gen with a Covert Cloak item, which would make the holder immune to the Flinch from Fake Out. And that used to be one way to stop it. If you could Fake Out Lilligan, it doesn't get off that after you or that Sleep Powder but now it could potentially be a running covert cloak and you might not realize till it's too late if you try and fake it out and it's not actually flinching you're really in trouble so it's definitely a potent combo um i think one thing that maybe hurts it a little bit is we were talking before about how prevalent amungus is right now on Picolytics, it's the most used pokemon and as amungus usage goes up so the safety goggles usage um and safety goggles usage definitely hurts Lilligant. that pair loses a little bit of its potency if you can Withstand that sleep pattern, and only have to cover for some of the other options.
1: I do want to mention too, uh, just because you mentioned Covert Cloak, it also works against Salt Cure and Snarl. I just learned that today. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think Lilical, I think Amoongus is actually going to drop in usage, to be honest. I think everyone's just prepping for it. Um, but Lilical, it's just it's going to be there you it's so versatile you could play so many things with it you don't have to dedicate to sun which is nice you don't have to dedicate to after you you could always set in a trick room setter it's definitely it's definitely a threat that i will see coming back later when everyone's done playing with the new toys and i think it's it's just the most reliable weather in this format
0: Yeah. And also too, if it comes to fruition, what we're expecting with those ancient and future forms being allowed in the future series, all those ancient forms benefit with protosynthesis through sun being active. So that's just going to amp up Torkel's usage again, I'm sure. Let's just briefly talk about snow. Um, I do think that it is important to to note. um, So Titan is a New slush rush user, which is very fun. Slush rush users in the past had been pretty much disregarded because their speed stat was always very low. I mean, bear tick, its speed is 50, Alolan slash is 75. But for this generation's slush rush user, we find Satitan does hit 73, which is pretty significant because. Without a speed-boosting nature, maxed-out speed gets to 125. So in in snow, it's moving. It's going, what, 250? Um, that's pretty significant. It's, so that means you don't have to invest all of your EVs into speed. Um, and considering its HP stat is already 170, meaning without any investment, it's sitting at 245. So you're able to boost your either defense or special defense Whichever one you want, um, and gets yourself a very bulky, fast, and strong Pokemon, considering with a an adamant nature um, and 252 EVs, it's hitting 181 as its base stat. Um, it gets access to some pretty strong moves with good coverage. I mean, it gets Icicle Crash, Ice Spinner, Play Rough, Earthquake. Um, superpower, heavy slam, so you can do a lot with this Pokemon. And of course, Obama Snow being able to first off set Snow, but then also set Aurora Veil. And so while it's snowing, the Titan then gets a boost to its defense thanks to the new mechanic of Snow boosting defense of Ice type Pokemon. Quite an interesting combination. Have you seen any of it out there, Tony, or or Will?
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen people playing with the Titan. Notable things about the Titan besides that is uh, it does get liquidation, which is kind of hard to find now. Um, it also gets belly drum. So I've seen a few belly drum sets where they just someone like, you know, mouse hold does follow me. If it's a support mouse hold with friend guard and then it sets up the belly drum and then they just switch out into uh a bomb of snow. So then you have boosted defense, maxed out attack, and then turn two of Obama snow being out sets up Aurora Veil. Vale, and then it's just this unstoppable bulky thing. And with Terra typing, you can always change the typing to something that makes it more defensive. So I've seen Terra water a lot or Terra ground for stab on earthquake. I think snow is going to be one of those weathers that it's going to be interesting and it's going to be hard to find out how to perfect it but you if you do perfect it i think it's definitely going to be a major threat it's getting less usage than i than i thought it would have gotten but it's there's a couple options out there that could keep you on your toes for snow
2: yeah i think the Titans are really cool man like tony said the belly drum combo is like pretty potent, and then it gets priority ice shards. So even without the slush rust boost, it could be just hitting things with a plus six priority stab attack and ice is, as we know, really good offensive coverage. The Terra definitely helps it, like Tony said, because, I mean, the classic problem with ice is great offensive type, terrible defensive type. Terror kind of lets you solve that problem. You get to change to another defensive type and still keep your offensive stab on the ice. The one thing to note is when you do that, if you are in snow, you do lose your defense boost because you're no longer an ice type but sometimes that trade is uh, definitely worth making. It also gets cool abilities. Slush Russ is almost certainly going to be the most popular one. It also gets Sheer Force. I don't know if it has a ton to really take advantage of that in terms of its move pool, but if nothing else, you could always get the free life or boost that Sheer Force grants. Um, It also gets thick fat. It has a decent amount of bulk. It's 170 HP defense and special defense isn't as high, but you can definitely find a way to build this thing to be pretty bulky too, and be able to take some hits and then dish back some good damage with its pretty high natural uh, attack of 113 and also just great coverage and great stab.
0: Yeah so I think definitely something to be on the lookout
2: for. Uh, real quick we'll
0: just mention um, Pelipper and Palafin. The core there is essentially to set rain with Pelipper, and then allow for Palafin to switch out with flip turn that way it's able to go to its uh, zero to hero mode Uh, when it comes back in for rain-boosted jet punch, which just does an insane amount of damage, considering it is a 60 base power aqua jet, essentially. And that is the special or signature move for Palafin. So last but not least, we go from the dolphin to the big fish, and that is the pairing of Tatsugiri and Dondozo with Flamigo as support. So the core here is through the use of Commander Tatsugiri, which gets the ability c- Commander, jumps into the mouth of Dandozo, giving it a plus two Omniboost. Um, now we did talk about this a little bit in episode one, so while Tatsugiri is in the mouth of Dandozo, You are not able to have another Pokemon on the field, as Tatsugiri is that second Pokemon. So it becomes essentially a 2v1, as Tatsugiri does not do any damage to the opposing Pokemon, um, but really just gives that support to Dondozo. Now, some people are trying to have Tatsugiri just die in the mouth of Dondozo. So then you can bring in Flamigo, and thanks to its ability, Coastar, it actually... Matches that double Omni Boost that Dondozo has, so you have two Omni Boosted twice Pokemon on the field. Um, it can be a little silly, a little difficult to pull off, but if it does, it's very strong. Um, but it seems that the meta is shifting more to a Choice Scarf Tatsugiri set. So just letting that Dondozo be on the field by itself, and then once it dies, then you have a speedy 120 base Special Attack attacker that is then on the field that's still at full health basically what are you guys doing for tatsugiri and don dozo tony we'll start with you because i know that uh the team that we had come up with early on had a pretty interesting core that was able to handle this duo pretty easily
1: i know a lot of people are going for the clear smog but i notice now that uh don dozo actually there's been a few Terra Steel Don Dozo. There's Substitute Donzo, Don Dozo now, too. So, what I like doing was using the Firestarter Skeleturge and just Will O Wisping it. it def- you, there's usually only two sets, and it's either Waterville or Oblivious or Unaware. Um, and you, it's normally the Unaware set, which makes sense. But if the Will O Wisp and another Unaware user with Terra Water or Grass Skeleturge, it's it's really not that hard, and it almost feels gimmicky when you see them, but it also just works really well if it is set up correctly. So, like, if Don Dozo's in the Substitute, I obviously can't hit it with the Will-O-Wisp. If it's Terra Steel, you can't hit it with Clear Smog. It's definitely a threat that you need to remember if it gets going, then it's, like, it's going. Flamigo is always interesting, because not many people know this, but I think Flamigo is also one of the only wide guard users besides Toxapex and Garganacle and Rouge, which normally I don't think you would really want to have wide guard on. Uh, So Flamigo being able to copy the stats, get the boost, and then play support at the same time is definitely a really cool idea.
0: So, Will, what about you? Do you think that this is gimmick or
2: legit i think it's legit i mean the usage is definitely going to it, drop off a little bit because it has counters um everything does obviously but i think once you've seen this a couple of times you begin to know what to expect and how to play around it so i don't think it's going to dominate the meta but i don't think it's going to go away either you're definitely going to see it and you will have to have an answer on your team because this thing can really just snowball if you let it if you have no way to stop it and take away its booster somehow disable it it'll kind of tear through your team it's super bulky. It's really tough to take out and it could sit there just kind of boosting itself and dealing out massive damage. For me, my counter is easy. I'm going to put haze on any team that I build right now. There's probably more elegant solutions, but that's just the easiest thing for me. I know that I'll have that in my back pocket and if this thing tries to boost on me, I can just disable it. Um, looking again at the Limitless results, the first place team that did not have Don Dozo had hayes Um, I see that Third-place team didn't have Dandozo, and they had hayes Murkrow also. Fifth-place team, same thing. To me, that's the easiest answer. Murkrow does so much already, you're not hurting your team by putting it on, and you could definitely spare a move slot for Hayes to really neutralize one of the bigger threats in the game right now.
0: Yeah, I think that that is a great starting point, um, but also a great stopping point for us. Uh, I think that we covered these cores really well. So let's move on to getting to know the two of you. So first, we're going to get into a most popular question, of course, because everybody wants to know, what is your favorite Pokemon? It can be either competitive or just casual, whatever you want to say. Will, we'll go back to
2: you. My favorite, I have a soft spot for Zangoose. Um, It's definitely not one of the better Pokemon competitively. It's arguably not even viable. I've always thought it has a cool design. Gen 3 was one of my favorite gens, and it was one of my favorite mods from Gen 3. The design's not like too over-the-top or crazy like some of the newer ones that we've seen. It's pretty simple, but I always thought it looked cool. Um, I've kind of held on to that since then. I was really excited to see that it was going to be in Scarlet and Violet. I don't know if I'll actually try and build a team around it, because like I said, it's a little tough to use. But every time I see it, I get kind of excited, and hopefully it finds its role in the metagame. I doubt it, but I'm holding out some hope.
0: Yeah, I like that. Uh, Zangius is very cool. Great design. Uh, cool uh, pairing combination with the Viper. Um, definitely a neat addition to Gen Three.
1: And Tony, what about you?
0: What's your What's your favorite?
1: It used to be Ursaring, and then you know, Legends of Arceus came out, and then everyone's new favorite bear, Ursaluna. Definitely my favorite now, and especially now that it's going to come back, I would. I wish it was in the first regionals rule set. I mean, that it's fine. I'll, I'll come back to another regionals just to use it. But Ursaluna, just it's a tank. It's a monster bear. It, it's great. What what is there not to love? It's a big cuddly bear.
0: Yeah, I didn't uh, play Legends Arceus, so I didn't get a chance to use Ursaluna. So I'm definitely looking forward to see how it shakes things up if and when it becomes available. Well, thank you both so much for jumping on and talking about the Series 1 rule set as well as some popular cores for people to team build against or start their team building from as we all start to hit the ladder. Which if you want to get involved with our community here at the VGC Trainer School, find us in Discord, VGC Trainers School, or reach out to us via email at trainers school Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what is a favorite core of yours, either one that we talked about or maybe one that we are sleeping on as a whole. Well, thank you all so much. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.